Hey mama, when you leave, don't leave a thing behind. I don't want nothing. Can't use nothing. Take care into the hall. And if you see my friends, tell them I'm fine. Ain't using nothing. Almost burned out my eyes. Threw my ears down to the floor. I didn't see nothing. Didn't hear nothing. Stood there like a block of stone, knowing all I had to know and nothing more. Man, that's nothing. As brothers, our troubles are locked in each other's arms, and you better pray they never find you. Cause your back ain't strong enough For burdens double-fold They'd crush you down Down into nothing Being born is going blind And buying down a thousand times To echoes strung On pure temptation Sorrow and solitude, these are the precious things and the only words that are worth remembering. Good morning. It's Monday, September 9th. 8.14 a.m. at Lavinia here. I wanted to talk to you guys about how fentanyl is really affecting the neighborhood. And not just, of course, the nation, but how it's affecting people in our immediate surroundings. And it's pretty traumatizing pretty traumatizing is kind of sounds trite even but it's traumatizing um there's been as you know a rash of overdose deaths and brushes with death and as you know there's a pretty sickening coke problem here there's a lot of really lousy coke (laughs) it's already bad to begin with but now people are still just doing it even though it may have fentanyl in it and most likely it does a lot of people are in denial and kind of terrified um because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who just, they party on the weekend, and that includes doing coke. Um, and there's also people out there, most likely in the neighborhood, who secretly use heroin and are good at covering it up until it's too late. 
And then there's people who just do it all the time. And they've been written off. And they don't care what happens to them. So yeah, it's pretty affecting. You know, it's affecting. Um, Places like the Tenderloin. Where, you know, that is drug city. Um... They scooped up a bunch of drug dealers there recently, um, but it, it's still, you know, people drop in like flies. Forgotten people drop in like flies. It's very Malthusian as well, you know, just remove the surplus population, let them, let them die of, of famine and rot. It's kind of, I feel like not enough is being done to stop this. And it's probably getting into the crack too, most likely. So it's, a lot of people are going to be dying real soon. A lot of people dying real soon. You know, those hard drugs, it's it's like you say goodbye to your soul and you take your soul and you lock it in a little, like a little tiny box. You compress it and you lock it in a little tiny box and then you just fill your body with this stuff and it takes over, it takes over your mind and everything. I find it to be very traumatizing uh, to be around. Um, I grew up in a family where where my dad had some addictions, uh, substance abuse, and it was really frightening. You kind of get used to to being scared. Um, And then when I was about, when I was 24, so in 2001, my friends, um, Jen and Martin, moved back from Houston to, to Richmond, Virginia, where they're from. And when they were in Houston, they were clean. I didn't. I knew that they had done drugs before, but I didn't know the extent and I didn't realize that they were, had been full on drug addicts and had basically been kicked out of Richmond to, to, to get clean. And before they got to Houston, they lived in Austin for about a year and, um, they were kind of these like protégés of this guy Jimmy Vaughn he wrote um, Are You Tough Enough he's from the fabulous Thunderbirds Stevie Ray Vaughn's little brother, big brother brother um, he, they, they basically just hung out at, at his house and he shot him up Um, 
or that's what they alleged, just to say, not to be libelous, but that's what they alleged. Um, who knows what really what happened or if, you know, if he was truly involved. Um, but I just, yeah, I just want to say they alleged that. Um, so they moved to Houston. Uh, eventually they burnt the bridges in Austin and then they got clean. They got clean. They didn't have any connections in Houston, even though people were doing heroin there, but it wasn't as, 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 uh, junked out. And then they decided to move back to Richmond and within a month, Martin was dead. He had, uh, him and uh, he and Jen, his wife, they were both real young, but they were married, had gotten hold of some heroin and they had both overdosed really bad about two weeks prior. And when they got out of the hospital, they went and they did it again, of course, and they and Martin died from an overdose. And it was, I remember when Jen called me to tell me I couldn't believe that he was dead. I could not believe it. And it was the first time I'd had a friend, close friend, die like that. And I just could not believe that he was dead. And I was, I was of course, sobbing, and so was she. And I was glad at least that she was still alive because she could have died too. A couple nights later, after I found out that he, that Martin had died, he came to my he came to my room. And it was either his spirit or his soul was there. And he stayed on the bed with me. I could feel his weight. I could smell him. I know that sounds really crazy. But you know what? I didn't I couldn't believe it was happening. And I don't even though my grief was strong, it I it wasn't conjured from my grief. It was I can to this day attest that it was something that really happened that I really felt. And I guess it was like a ghost. And that's how I know that his spirit had been let out. His soul had been set free. Because it wasn't a slave to the mortification and the the degradation of his, his flesh cage. It was not running the show anymore. He got to have a spirit again, and it got to go where it needed to go. We went down there, me and Ralph, to visit him, his family and to visit Jen. A little bit after the funeral, I, I was, the funeral, I couldn't have made it to the funeral because it was too heavy for me. And not like I can't handle heavy stuff, obviously. But I just, I have a very a very hard time with death not afraid of it but it's 
it just breaks me down in a weird way. So we went after and I think he'd been dead about three weeks and Jen was still using and she was really thin of course and we were driving around with her she wasn't using during the time that we were staying with her she had kind of put it off she kicked her junkie friends out of the house we got into the house and there were still little tiny bowls of water on the coffee table and little I don't know little gadgets and rigs and things about accounted remember accounted four little bowls and I remember her being quite embarrassed and saying you know god damn it I can't believe they left their rigs here just sitting out there like that I told them to clean it up and we went into Martin's old room and it's this beautiful house in, in Richmond. They have the most gorgeous old, oh, just the most gorgeous, heartbreakingly haunted old, beautiful houses there. Old, old houses. Go in there, the room has real high ceilings. There's blood on the ceiling. There's little spatters of blood on the wall from the needle. And at one point we were driving around and there was a pile of like painter's clothes in the back seat. Martin was a, a professional painter, house painter. And they were Martin's clothes. She says, I'm just not ready to get rid of them. I just can't get rid of them. And I, I just, all those things just stayed with me for so long. I'll never forget. I'll never forget any of that. And then we, later that night, or maybe the next night, we went to uh, visit Martin's parents. Sweetest, of course, sweetest parents. And the mom was from this really tiny town in Texas. I forget what name it was. She asked me if I knew where it was from, and I said I'd never heard of it. And she said, good, because nobody's ever heard of it. It's that small. And she was a little round lady with kind of curled hair, but she had Martin's eyes and his nose. Dad was kind of tall, thin. And they had... so much grief and they were so depleted but you could still see their their souls and their spirits they still had them and the wounding having to bury their son and having to bend through so much they told me all the things they had been through with him I took thousands and thousands of dollars away from them, but it didn't matter. They just wanted their son back. They stole 
money from him from from them and how they would try to get him set up in different jobs we went out to the porch and there was a bench that he made a really beautiful wooden bench he was a talented woodworker but he gave it up and it talked about how they how what a great musician he was and all the things he loved to do how much they loved him even though their hearts were so broken and they had begged him not to move back begged him begged him begged him not to move back to Richmond because that's where all the drugs were but they moved back anyway and then in The dad was feeling really guilty because he had secretly helped Martin come back to Richmond. And he was feeling so guilty. And then the next day, we went and we visited Martin's grave. And it was still, the mound was still fairly high. It hadn't sunk down all the way yet. The ground wasn't hard. It's just, that's just one death. And how it sticks with you so hard and the way the way that they go and you know the age that they go it's always too young it's never an old junkie it's someone who still has a lot of life left in them but they, they lock it away There's a lot of people out here that they try to maintain their drug habits and work and function. But eventually they succumb. They succumb to it. There's a lot of people in denial. So yeah, that's a pretty heavy thing that's happening. And I know that I'm not the only person who's lost someone to drugs. I'm I'm one in a million, one out of, you know, a million people, uh, part of a million. (laughs) I'm part of a large number of people that have lost someone to drugs. And, and people are, are grieving right now. I hope everyone knows they have a, a soul in some way. And You can't run from it even though you're wounded. You can't lock it away. Because it's going to get free somehow. It'll get free. So I'm just going to leave it at that today. Um, Because it's kind of hard to segue into (laughs) all my flea market shenanigans. But I hope you guys have a great day, and I hope that 
for those of you that are hurting right now and that have been affected by this crisis that is ongoing not to give up and to take good care of yourselves all right bye-bye